Welcome to Gen Z Speaks, an international youth podcast brought to you by Gen Z Education. My name is Arden. And my name's Anisha. And we're your hosts. Gen Z Education is a youth-led nonprofit organization that is reinventing education. We provide interactive educational content that takes a new look at traditional approaches to education, involving everything from academics and storytelling to current events. Every episode, we provide you with content relevant to the youth, from interviewing experienced professionals and college admissions experts to discussing current events. Hello everyone, it's been a while, so let me reiterate. My name is Kai Singh, I am the global political analyst. I use they, them pronouns, and you are listening to Gen Z Speaks, more specifically the political segment. Today we are doing a very uh, special political segment as we are discussing a once in a lifetime event, which occurred this past week on Wednesday, January 6th. For those of you who don't know or don't know the specifics, I am here for you, so let's just jump right in. On Wednesday, January the uh, 6th, the Capitol was stormed by a mob of thousands of people who affiliated themselves as Trump supporters. They had weapons, no masks on, and broke into the Capitol by shattering windows and pushing past police. The politicians and various personnel in the Capitol were evacuated as the mobs rushed into the chambers. They stole, sat, and put their feet up on the senators and other politicians' desks and trashed rooms. And then give that a second. Let me pull up this part right here. All right, uh, just for some stuff for uh, specif- to specify some things, there were nearly 2,000 people there, and they came from what they called a rally to save America. Uh, those present also included members of the Proud Boys, Three Percenters, and likely Antifa, which are all far-right groups. So many did have their masks on, but most did not. And this has been dubbed as a super spreader event, which has led to at least three lawmakers testing positive for the coronavirus thus far. There have been accounts of Democratic and Republican lawmakers handing out masks and the protesters or the rioters, I would like to say, uh, did not accept them and decided to not have them on. There were people that died and a shooting did occur. Uh, There are different sources that I have been heard or picking up that said it was a uh, person who worked in the Capitol, and there are some people who said it was uh, a member of the riot themselves. But there were, I think, about two deaths. One was a person who tased themselves, and one was a person who got shot. So specifically, there are some... It is an illegal thing, an illegal act that took place. And let's talk about what was illegal. So under federal law... There are several federal laws that punish activity against the United States government itself, or that attacks the Constitution. First, federal law uh, makes it a crime to engage in any rebellion or or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the law thereof. Someone who violates this statute faces a fine and up to 10 years in prison. This law makes it a crime to incite such a rebellion too, and violators shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. Thus, to the extent that a government official was complicit in Wednesday's riot, they could not potentially they could be potentially stripped of their office. Second, the law prohibits a seditious conspiracy to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States or to, by force, to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States. Participants in such a conspiracy could face up to 20 years in prison. Now that we have all of that out of the way, 
No matter where you stand politically, we can all agree that this day is going to change the course of democracy. And to discuss this, I have this lovely person here with us today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, so my name is Zane Rahman. I live 10 minutes outside of D.C. And I was there in D.C. that day when the protest started. Um, <laughs> it was a really interesting day. I'm looking forward to talking about it here. All right, awesome. So before we do start talking, let me preface this by saying that all political opinions expressed here are of the individual present and do not represent Gen Z Speaks or Gen Z Education as we are a nonpartisan organization. Now, let's start off with some general thoughts. So what are your thoughts about the situation as a whole and just the vibes? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so what I generally think of it is um, I like to think of it more as like a philosophical like in a philosophical sense. So when you're looking at like itself, this isn't a, this is a physical attack on a building. I mean, but you look at it and it's a symbolic attack on American democracy. You know, you're having one of the most iconic structures in American history, by far in the world, being rioted and being looted and being destroyed. You know, it's a, it's a symbolic attack on just American like democracy. And I think that's where people are mad. People are mad that a few windows got broken. They're getting mad that they're seeing a physical incarnation of their democracy being destroyed and being looted and just being desecrated. I think that's what's getting people riled up. And I think that's what has me riled up as well, that we're seeing our democracy slip away from us. So would you say the problem that people are having a problem with this is the fact that it's not just a building. They specifically chose the Capitol in Washington itself uh -huh. um yeah i also think it's also definitely has a physical aspect i'm not trying to like to downplay the physical aspect people's lives were in danger people died which is in of itself a tragedy you know people died you had the building broken many physical damages but i think the symbolic aspect of it as well is what's got people really riled up you know and i think what's ironic to be honest with you is that the capital and the and I think it just shows that we are a society of a, of sign and of signal, you know. So like, we we respond so heavily to the capital being like you know looted and stuff, which obviously in itself is a tragedy. But we have a silent killer out there killing four hundred thousand people to the coronavirus, and yet now we are supposed to take action against the president who has allowed the coronavirus to be able to spread in such a rapid way. I find that pretty ironic. Do you think if the president had a different um, outcome or just took about the coronavirus differently, then this wouldn't have happened? Of course. I mean, well, I mean, I do think they're mutually. I do believe they are a little bit exclusive, though. I mean, if Donald Trump still if the coronavirus was taken care of in a better way, I would say. And but he also denied the election results. I mean, I do think there probably would still have been a protest, maybe not on this scale, but yes. I mean, they are a little bit, they're not as related, but I do think they are like related in some way. So I do think Donald Trump's handling of the coronavirus situation has led to this general frustration and led to the riots that we saw on uh, January 6th. All right, thank you. Um, let's just go ahead with the next question that I do have is that, um, what do you think this means for the American democracy? So um, that's a very multifaceted question. When you think of like in a different way, I think it shows that I think the main thing that we can pull from this is that democracy is fragile. You know, it only takes one person, 
only takes one protest or one action for us to be living underneath an authoritarian or a totalitarian, you know, a system of governance. So it's our duty as citizens. It's our duty. It's their duty as lawmakers. It's our collective duty to be able to uphold democracy and uphold the freedom that we currently enjoy. And I think that the more we understand civic responsibility and the more we take initiative, I think the more we can fight against demagogues such as Donald Trump and his authoritarian actions. All right. And just to bounce off of that really fast, what do you think this would mean about for the world then, too? Because we just we've been talking a lot about America, but obviously, you know, it's going to affect the globe to some scale. Of course, of course. So in a global aspect, I see that um, I see the deterioration of American hegemony as this, because um, I think that when you look at American hegemony in a sort of way, you can structure it in a way that like America is being able to portray its value as soft power. You know, it's being able to like expand its will. And I think that once you see this internal chaos that's happening, I think that um, I think that definitely, you know, it definitely emboldens adversaries for the American government. I'm not saying that America is losing its prestige or its power in any way, but I do think this is a blow against American hegemony in many regions, uh, in many regions around the world. All right, awesome. Um, And then the last one that I have documented here is how do you think that this will affect, you know, the teenagers, the kids of now in our present and our future? Mm. So uh, I think that's a very... um, I think it's a very good question. What I personally think is going to is going to happen. I, I think it. I think it can split two ways. I think it's one. I think that um, like teenagers now, they see what's happening and they're obviously disgusted by it, you know. But like, unfortunately, Donald Trump's precedent. We live in a like we live. Our brains are are like trained and they're wired to be precedent. Like you know, they're like meant to be based on what's happened in the past. So I think that this sets such a dangerous precedent, you know, that we can live in a society where we can openly accept these things and these things could happen. And I think that's what scares me is we've given, we've emboldened people. We've allowed people who are on the fringes of political thought to be able to have their voices heard and to be able to riot on an American symbol. And I'm scared, but I also have hope. Um, I have hope that I see so many people who would decry these actions, who want to take charge, and I'm happy for that. I'm glad that there's people who want to make change, but I'm also scared that we embolden people who, you know, are willing to take such drastic actions. So you obviously feel very strongly about Trump. And my question to you then is, how do you feel about the actions that were taken by him after the rioting had happened or as they were trying to at least get them to come home? And immediately after that, his Twitter got banned. So that setup of events and just how that turned out, how do you, what's the, what's the thought and the emotions behind it? Well, to be honest with you, it's the bare minimum. He's doing the bare minimum, you know, like an active sitting U.S. president. Why is it even a question that he's encouraging a riot on the Capitol building? Don't get me wrong. The man is fully responsible for it. I do think he should be impeached for, you know, seditious action. But he's doing the bare minimum. You know, you can't defend him. You can't defend the guy. He said, go home. He's not taking action. He's not taking responsibility. He's not, you know, apologizing in any way. He did the bare minimum to just tell him to go home. And I think that's where we have to draw a line in the sand. Have we really 
digress so much of society that the bare minimum is that? Really? That's my question for our society and for our for people listening to this podcast. All right. that I understand your uh, point here. Um, and then I had one in mind, and now I can't seem to remember it. So let me just go. Oh, yeah. I remember it now. So... Obviously, people have been comparing the presence of police and the actions taken to the Black Lives Matter protests that happened back in June. Um, There were some differences and just feelings about those differences and how the both situations were different and the responses were different. Of course, of course, yeah. So I'm just going to keep it blunt. If it were brown, black people that were doing that, we'd be having... Like, there'd be many graves in Washington, D.C. right now. Um, you look at the hypocrisy that comes from right-wing me- from right-wing sources, you know? They're calling these people patriots. But the people that were out here fighting for equal justice, fighting for equal rights under the law, were they not patriots? You have these people who are defending a cognitive dissident idea, that, but, like, they are able to... They're being happy, and they're being portrayed as good people, you know? And that's where I'm saying that, like, if it were brown and black people, if it were BLM protesters that were doing this, we would not be having this conversation right now. We would not be having this conversation right now. And I'm not justifying if Black Lives Matter did this, I would equally decry them out, you know. But all I'm saying is there would be a much different, a much more different response from both sides of the aisle if this was just a, uh, if this was Black Lives Matter, you know. And I do think in of itself they're in, in a, you can't analogy them. Uh, like, you can't draw a comparison between them. I mean, yeah, they're protests, but there's protests of such different nature. One of them is based on, uh, you know, police justice and police brutality, no matter what you have to say about it. I mean, 95% of the protests were peaceful, according to sources. And this protest was inherently violent. It was inherently meant to take over the Capitol. And I hate when people are be like, what about Black Lives Matter, burning and looting? They weren't, okay? And most of them... And a lot of the agitation of itself were from blue groups that weren't actively protesting Black Lives Matter. And most of Black Lives Matter, 93% or 95%, whatever the number is, was peaceful in of itself. So I think comparing an inherently peaceful protest to an inherently violent protest is not only disingenuous, but it also just like this destroys your argument because you're comparing like apples to oranges. They're not the same. And if those Black Lives Matter protesters were out there right now smashing the Capitol and looting, I promise you, we would not be having this conversation. Yeah, so there's definitely like a mix up on what sort of terminology to use, right, for everything that went down. Uh, there are people oh. who are call- deeming it riots. There are people who are deeming it mob behavior. There are people who are deeming it protests for our democracy. And... Of course, there are different viewpoints that come from each terminology itself. So what would you deem this situation? I would deem it a, um, I mean, of course, I mean, it's subjective, you know, but I personally would deem it like mob behavior. Uh, it's like an angry mob. It reminds me of like some middle age thing, you know, where they would see like a witch and they'd all just get super frenzied and violent be like, hey, girl. I mean, like, this is like the core of just like, you know, it just—it feels like people are going back in time. You know, I think, I think it can be explained for many social and cultural reasons. But like, the more I see this, the more I'm like, we live in 2021, and this is happening. Really, that's where I'm just like, I mean, yeah, I just—I mean, I guess I shouldn't have my hopes up too much. But like, you know, um, just really, just really sad. 
it's just mob behavior, you know. There's nothing really else to say about it. Yeah, did you expect, like, it to become better in 2021? Were you expecting, like, kind of the same, same old, same old? Or were you expecting, like, something to this caliber? You know, I can't lie. I like to think of myself as an optimist. But, you know, the more and more I grow up, the more and more I grow, it's just, like, like pessimism is just the only way like you know i don't like to keep my hopes up but of course i do have hope in this country i i do believe in the end we're going to pull through but just considering every single change that's happening and tumultuous presidency that's preceded us and gridlock congress and just many such social and cultural like differences in our country it's going to take a real period of change in our um in our nation to be able to uh just to be able to move past these changes and maybe res- and maybe result to any semblance of normal all right um makes sense so speaking of you know new things and new years um trump is looking or i don't know if he is looking or has been impeached again for a second time i believe he has yes yeah so you know last year around the similar time it was around or it was because of the ukrainian government incident where there was rumors and actual sources of blackmail and all these things and he did get impeached and indicted but nothing technically changed so do you think it's going to be a same situation where we're just going to have to ride it out until the election which is coming up or is it like a situation of all right you know just to put it down into the books Uh uh-huh okay i mean i don't i believe i don't think he's going to be impeached within five how long is it it's uh, I believe Biden's being inaugurated on the 20th. I definitely think it's going to be like in six days. I don't think he's going to get indicted between that. I think the main thing the Senate can do right now is just bar him, you know, bar him. I think that's the point because like I think Republicans and Democrats on both the aisle are seeing how divisive he's been as a figure. And when they – it's sad to say that when they get their lives threatened, they like – they shape up, you know, and just try to get rid of him. And I think that's – inherently the hypocrisy in our society and hypocrisy in the government but you know that's a little bit of its own tangent but um you know i just think um i mean like i honestly think it might be for show but i also think it's really important that like the senate is just able to you know get like not allow him to run and i think that's the main point of what's happening right now i do think there's a motive but i also think it's for show as well so speaking of like the hypocrisy part going back to a little bit of what happened at the capitol I'm just shooting things off of the top of my head here. Uh, there was a lot of... Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of back-the-blue people there. Um, many other... There were terrorist groups. There were KKK. There were Antifa. There were a lot of people involved that have deemed radicalists, extremists, and all these things. Uh, the hypocrisy part comes in is when we saw these... A lot of the back-the-blue uh, back people ended up being the people who were attacking the police and the people who were there trying to guard the Capitol. So just if you have any thoughts on that, feel free. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, um, <laughs> ironic, isn't it? I, mean, I don't think we'd ever be seeing Blue Lives Matter fighting the police, but um, here we are, you know, it's tumultuous here and it looks like another one now. But um, I think that, I mean, yeah, it's very ironic, obviously. <laughs> um, I think it just shows the power of uh, I mean, this is a little bit of a rant, but I think it just shows the power of idea in our society, the power of symbol. And I think I've spoken on that before early in the podcast, but like you have the power to like, and the power of information as well. You feed people these like lies, you know, you feed people these like 
caught thoughts and you know like they will back down like it's it's like psychological what i like to think of is like every human action every human response to anything can be observed and can be quantified through psychology and i think i think that's like the psychology of these people you know like they it's either like back the blue or support donald trump you know and like uh, obviously, I think the police is not ambiguous in the situation. Is ambiguous in the situation. I don't think like they are, have like a political agenda to protect Donald Trump. I mean, I don't think so. I love the police. Don't get me wrong. I do think there needs to be reform. But um, I, it's it's just it's ironic. I mean, there's <laughs> just nothing really else to say. So before we start um, wrapping some things up and just uh, re uh, reintroductions, a little bit of um, more uh, some more questions, but. I was meaning to ask you, what do you, how would you describe yourself politically? Like, where do you align yourself with? Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's a little bit of a hard question. I definitely do think of myself as more left. Um, you know, I do think of myself as more uh, like around like a democratic socialist or more like on the libertarian left side of things. Um, I do see merit in far left ideas. Uh, I do see merit and centrism as well, uh, but um, I just I think I'm, I would consider myself far to middle left, not in like a not an American not an American sense because American left is like European right, not American left, but like just um, I consider myself like left in terms of political like me middle left in terms of political thought. Noted. All right, so. Um... Just if you have anything else that we could talk about, but I think that pretty much covers it. We range from Donald Trump to the Capitol to a lot of things that went down in January that there are more things that I don't have the energy to talk about. So, <laughs> um, yeah. it's been it's been a long month and it's not even over yet. It's been a long year and it's not even over yet. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So everybody at home, make sure that you're staying safe. Uh, now in California, there are apparently about one in every three people have COVID. Uh, so don't go outside. Stay safe. Wear your masks. Wear gloves if you can. Double mask. It's, it's definitely, we are living in tough times, people. And as much as we want to forget that it exists, as much as we want to go back to living our best life, we can't do that because if people don't get vaccinated and people don't stay inside, it's just going to prolong the pain. So take your vaccines anyway that's the stitch guys thank you for listening and of course we do highly encourage you to do your own research on the situation if you would like to share your opinions or would like to discuss something uh don't hesitate to reach out and all interaction is welcome so thank you to zane for being here with me and once again you're listening to gen z speaks my name is kai singh and this has been what i coined political talk before we end this meeting, uh, let me just do a little credit. So that was Zane that you just heard from, and his YouTube channel is Foreign Review, where he also talks about politics. Uh, that would be F-O-R-E-I-G-N, review, R-E-V-I-E-W. So, you know, go ahead, give him a little look-see, and thank you once again for listening to us. And now we're going to hear back from other people, maybe, or maybe in the last segment, who knows. That's it for this episode of Gen Z Speaks. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Visit genzeducation.org to discover everything Gen Z Education has to offer. 
and head to the podcast page to submit your questions for our next guest. If you would like to be a future guest or would like to nominate someone, submit the interest form on our website. See you next time.